I know that everyone is very interested to know when things are going to get back to normal, when they'll be able to go back to work, when uh, we'll be able to leave this isolation at home, uh, when kids will be able to go back to schools. The reality is um, it is going to be uh, weeks still. And there you go. The Prime Minister giving no real indication as to when life returns to normal. And of course, it's the conversation no one really wants to have. You know, when do we get the economy back up and running? When do you start that? And there are those who will say, well, we can't until we've got a cure for this disease. You've got the prime minister says, well, not until there's a vaccine, which is what, 12 to 18 months. I get it. It's not the popular opinion, but that that's just insane. It's also not realistic. I mean, every week we keep the economy shut down. Our GDP takes an absolute beating. We've got millions more losing jobs. You've got mental illness being either born or triggered. You've got people losing homes, people losing access to food. The longer we shut down to fight COVID-19, we are killing huge parts of society with other destructions. Let's bring John Robson into this conversation, columnist for National Post, also executive director of Climate Nexus. Good to have you, John. This was your headline in uh, the National Post. You know, not everyone who dies of the pandemic will actually die of COVID-19. Good to have you. Yeah, and I, by the way, I, I want to commend my editors for publishing this because I know it's a sensitive topic. And at the moment, the, the consensus is, oh, no, we've got to do everything possible to stop this terrible disease. But the fact of the matter is that there are very real costs to what we're doing to control the spread of it. And, uh, you know, just one example, a lot of other conditions are going untreated that are that are, are also potentially or very serious. Fewer people are going to the hospital to get treatment for heart attacks, unless mm-hmm. for some reason there are fewer heart attacks. So this this matters. But we are we are seeing jobless rates. Someone put up this tweet saying that half of, of younger workers in the United States have either lost their job had a pay cut or had their hours reduced, half of them. And you know what this does to people's ability to build a life? Businesses are going to fail and not reopen. People are going to see 20 years of hard work vanishing in the space of a month, never to be recovered. And this is going to lead to stress. It's going to lead to heart disease. It's going to lead to strokes. It's going to lead to cancer. There's going to be loneliness and depression. There's going to be substance abuse. Nobody's ever done this before. When In the past, when there were uh, plagues and epidemics, they quarantined the sick. We quarantined the healthy. We've just shut down modern economies around the world and said, well, we didn't need those things. And I think part of the problem is the people in power, to them, the private economy is a distant rumor. It's sort of an annoying thing we couldn't get rid of yet. They have no idea how it works or how important it is. They think you can just, you know, close a restaurant for three months and reopen it. And nothing will have happened to your credit rating, your bank balance. They, they have no idea how, what narrow margin some people were operating on. And it's not that the disease isn't dangerous, but we could be much more rational about how and why it's dangerous. When you, you heard the prime minister during the news break, you know, we must make sure that our seniors are protected. You know, we're talking about people who are old and unwell, many of them with, with very short life expectancies, you can't protect them all. You just can't. Everybody dies eventually, right? And the thing is, and we know poverty kills people. We know depression kills people. We know the things we're doing to the economy kill people. In fact, we pretty good actuarial statistics on it. You can figure out what's going to happen if the unemployment goes to 30% and stays there for five years. You can predict the excess deaths. 
And but but people have this idea that, that nothing bad can happen just because there's a global plague doesn't mean anything bad should happen. So we'll shut down the economy. We'll save all these lives. We'll cut everything else out of the hospitals except the absolute urgent cases, and nobody will die. And then we'll just restart the economy. Meanwhile, we'll pump in liquidity. Part of it is this illusion that we can prevent anything bad from happening. We can't. The pandemic is bad. It's a really bad thing, and we have to choose the bad course forward. And shutting the economy down, at least he only said weeks this time, he didn't say months. Shutting the economy down until August is not the least bad course. It's a terrible idea. Right. Yet, yet those in charge, whether it's Canada or any other country, were caught very flat-footed on something that was waving lots of warning flags. And and instead of taking action then, which would have staved off a lot of this damage, now they're going the complete opposite way, which you think, well, if you'd just taken some action back in January or February, we wouldn't have to quarantine 99% of the country. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we have to anyway, but yes, First, they underreacted to it. And again, people are like, oh, it's all Trump's fault. Who hissed down with Trump? But you have Bill de Blasio in New York saying, hey, go out eat in Chinese restaurants. Nancy Pelosi, get out among the crowds. And Doug Ford, hey, go enjoy March break, right? So a lot of politicians all over the spectrum muffed that. And now they're making the opposite error, so that will somehow fix it. And we won't have those news clips of them talking in February and March the way they were. Um, but... They need to, as I said in my column, grasp this idea. We know actuarially how many people are going to die every month in Canada with, with eerie precision. We know this. Um, it's about 25,000 people a month, but it varies by month, predictably, January more, July less. And we need to reduce the total number of excess deaths because you cannot stop a global plague from causing some people to die. But if you shut down the economy... And they're not even keeping the seniors' homes from being devastated, right? It's not as right. much quarantine has worked in that sense. About half the deaths in Canada are in seniors' homes. And in a way, this was predictable a month ago. We knew that in Italy, the average person who died of the disease was 79 years old with two and a half other serious diagnosed conditions. In fact, it looks as though in Italy what happened is you got into the medical system. And then when elderly people who were already very unwell went to hospital for some, something else, they got it there and took it back to the nursing home. But... It was it was spreading for months asymptomatically. It would now seem um, so. It's not nearly as dangerous as it looks, except to select uh, groups in the populace who ought to be the ones we're working on protecting, while understanding we can't do a perfect job. Again, I I don't know if I've had it. I think it's about fifty percent that I have. I don't know. I, I wasn't sick. I mean, just a little sniffly. But one of my kids was was quite sick for a day, um, and then got better. Uh, who knows? But we, there's all kinds of people who've had it and who haven't had serious symptoms and are now better. So the idea that it's not the Black Death, it wasn't going to kill half the populace if we didn't all hide in our basements. So I, I think they overreacted. Like they got the models that said everybody go, go back into your house and never come out again unless you're the prime minister and go, go to your cottage. Um, but they wanted the models to tell them that because they were very scared of continuing to underestimate it. But the, the true fatality, the, the infection fatality rate, is not 1%. It's considerably lower than that. Um, I mean, and you look at China. What are they telling us of China? It's got 1.3 billion people in it. And how many cases they put in? Well, their numbers don't mean anything. But uh, everywhere you look, it's being very dangerous to people who are old and sick. And it's not very dangerous to anybody else. So why on earth are we shut down the economy? What if something else happens? What if three months right. from now, another pandemic happens? And we've done this Which... to ourselves in the meantime. 
Right. And for all the money cut, you know, nickel and diming the medical system, had they just invested in proper long term care and precautions like full time work for these public, uh, you know, these workers that go in and out and have to have part time jobs and have to, you know, go all over the place, which is a further risk. I mean, if they just put the money into it, we could have properly protected the most vulnerable. And here we are. And yet here on the one day that the IMF is saying, look, Canada is in for a recession of basically epic proportions. I mean, we have not yet, we've had the economic shock, but we have not yet seen the results of it. And I think it's going to be shocking to people when they start to see this catch up, uh, the damage done. Yeah, we have, we have absolutely not flattened the curve on the economic impact. And again, I think the people in power know less about economics than they do about pandemics. But it's supposed we'd spent half the money that's been spent on global warming over the last 10 years, preparing ourselves for the next pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Hoo-ha about the fact that the sky is on fire. It has been taking tens of billions of dollars every year in government money, not tens of billions in Canada, but tens of billions around the world. If we had spent half of that money on fixing up our health care system, because again, our waiting lists are getting longer and longer while this was on, stocking masks, getting respirators, tracking, testing, decentralizing, if we allowed private clinics so that all kinds of procedures could be performed outside the hospitals that have got the COVID-19 cases. All this stuff we could have done, and we didn't do any of it. But you look at the politicians now and how many of them are standing up and saying, gee whiz, you know what, we didn't do a great job here. No, they're like, oh, they're all this Churchillian, we shall save you now, we shall make sure the most vulnerable, we shall fight them on the beaches. It, it, it's terrible when us saying, this is the moment, you know, now is we're at the fork. Oh, phooey. We're going to make all kinds of decisions over the next few weeks. We're not, it's not Dunkirk, but they don't think that way. And they love the fact that they're saving us and they don't care how much they're spending. But what, what are we going to do in three months when we the deficit's $200 billion and the yeah. provinces can't borrow and the things are insolvent and, you know, the, the banks are teetering and half the restaurants in the country are closed? Then what are you going to do? Everybody's going to be in the basement taking out the old monopoly set and saying, hey, I'm rich. Look at all these bills. Uh, and, and, but I just don't, I don't think they understand any of this. You know, Trudeau never thought the private economy was important. He never thought balancing the budget was important. So he thinks what he's doing now is like, hey, this is the best. I'm standing everybody with all this liquidity that we're pumping into the economy from up in the peace tower or something. So, you know, don't count on the politicians. We, the citizens, have to understand this lockdown cannot continue for another two months. And it, medically, it doesn't need to. But if it does, it's going to kill a lot more people than it's going to save. And we just have to start, like I said in my column, understand case fatality rates, infection fatality rates, silent transmission, understand the epidemiology, because the politicians know less of, you know, they, as I said, they know less about economics and epidemiology. I think they know less about that than they do about quantum physics. Stay tuned. Unfortunately, this is not a conversation that likes uh, to be had, but we do have to have it. John, I appreciate it, and I thank you for your time. Thank you. That is John Robson, who you can read in the National Post.